Hello, my name is Mark Taylor. Welcome to the Education on Fire podcast network. This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. Do you need help and support in creating and embedding music in your school? If so, we have created Primary Music on Fire to help you with just this, a music membership site that's taking the fear out of teaching music by giving you the step-by-step skills and ongoing support you need to produce lifelong musical memories for you, your school and your pupils. Go to educationonfire.com forward slash primary hyphen music. Hello and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place where we share creative and inspiring learning in our schools. Season 6, episode 87. Hello, welcome to this brand new season of English and Literacy. I'm so glad you could join us and I'm really pleased that we were able to give you some great interviews and some great insights into how different people are teaching English and Literacy and and how they're inspiring children in that way. And today is no exception. I'm going to be talking to Dominic Traynor, who's from the Lit Film Fest, and he's going to be talking about how they use video and YouTube and, and film to be able to sort of use as a presentation in a way of getting children involved and inspired with English. The other thing which is fantastically exciting this season is that Mark Warner from teachingpacks.co.uk has very kindly given us a free resource each week, so a different resource each week for you to download absolutely free and um, that you can use in your class. Having been through these resources, if you really like what they're doing, you can get an exclusive Education on Fire coupon code. You can join their membership for just £19.50 for an entire year, which is great value. So to get all the details of that, if you go to educationonfire.com, forward slash blog forward slash teaching packs then you will get all the details on there better download each resource each week and get that exclusive link you need for the discount code i really hope you enjoy the season and this is our first one with dominic trainer Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Dominic Trainer, and he's from the Lit Film Fest. And they help schools future-proof young learners and their award-winning projects accelerate progress in English and develop leaders for the future with the 21st century skills needed for success. And so I'm delighted to welcome Dominic to the show. Hi Dominic. Hi there, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Can you just start a little bit about your, your education background and, and how you got involved in, in the Lit Film Fest? Yeah, of course. Yes. So I initially did everything I could to avoid being a teacher because both my parents were primary school teachers and I thought it would be a terrible thing if I followed in their footsteps. (laughs) And so I kind of stayed away from teaching for as long as possible, but was doing a lot of sports coaching, a lot of drama coaching and things like that. And eventually having worked other jobs in sort of more commercial organizations, I realized that I wanted to do something which had a little bit more, what's the word, a little bit more background to it or a little bit more sort of social impact. And so I decided to train to become a primary school teacher. And so I I did that up in Liverpool, did my first couple of years up there as well, and then worked in an international school for a few years before coming back to the UK and um, working in um, an inner city school in London. And it was during that time that I started using, we, we were one of the schools who, who bought a load of iPads at the start without really knowing what we wanted to do with them. And I used them really heavily in my classroom and mostly I used them for video production. 
So we would make really short films in the class, uh, turn a lot of the work that we were doing on paper into something tangible that really got the kids going. It was during that time that I started to realize that engagement and progress in my own classroom was um, accelerating through the use of, you know, through the methods of video production, because, you know, the children themselves were very much into YouTube. Uh, you know, the, the, the classic thing now when you go into any primary school classroom and you say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, they're not saying footballer, they're not saying astronauts anymore, they're not saying fireman, they're saying YouTuber. <laughs> and so I very much lent on that and, and realized that um, it really pushed the children to to work harder in their traditional work of reading and writing at the same time because they knew that there was that sort of reward at the end where they would be able to film it, they'd be able to put it onto, you know, put it on the big screen, we'd watch it in class as a, as a whole class, we'd watch things in assembly, they, we'd put things on our own YouTube channel, they'd share it with, uh, you know, uncles and aunties and grandparents and parents. And there was a real, there was a real sense of purpose in the work that we were doing. And, and, that, and that was something that I kind of uh, looked upon in a way. At the same time, I was encouraged by somebody I knew to apply to Emerge Education. So Emerge Education is an acceler uh, was an or is an accelerator for education ideas to bring those ideas to a bigger audience uh, at larger scale, and that is where uh, that's where Lit Film Fest started. We were originally called A Tale Unfolds, uh, but over the last few years, we've done a lot more work with the British Film Institute, for example, and we they gave us the IMAX in Waterloo um, in order to put on a film festival where we could invite down schools who'd been using our projects so that they could see them on the bigger screen, bigger cinema screen in Britain. And we did that, uh, I think it was just about two and a half, three years ago now. And every year Lit Film Fest has grown and grown and grown to the point where we only refer to ourselves as Lit Film Fest now. And we now have, uh, this year we're on course to uh, engage with about 400,000 7 to 11 year olds all through traditional literacy and video production. Wow that's amazing and that's such a, a great reach and and just one thing I wanted to pick up on just before we, we talk about anything else was the I love the fact you were talking about you know YouTube channels and sharing and people to be able to in, enjoy it together. Um, do you find there's a problem in terms of, of some sort of people being concerned about the the social media about access about um um safeguarding and that kind of thing and, and so sort of your sort of advocacy of sort of sharing how, how do you sort of get around that other sort of fearful idea of, of people um putting stuff online yeah i think that is a it's a legitimate it's a legitimate uh, thought process um i think it's a really interesting one because you know there are still so many schools that block youtube and YouTube is, you know, for teaching, possibly the greatest resource that you could possibly have. The amount of information and knowledge and, you know, just the amount of stuff on there is incredible. So I, my first thing is that I don't think that any school should block YouTube. Um, I think there are legitimate concerns. I think there's a lot of things that they can do with filters to make that those concerns less and less and less. But in the in the, in all the years that I taught. I don't remember any incidents in which I was genu genuinely uh, worried about using YouTube in the classroom. And, and also, one of the things that I think is crucial about this is that if we, aren't, if, we're, if, we're, if we aren't addressing those concerns and those issues in the classroom, then we're essentially 
missing out on the opportunity to educate children about not only the benefits of being able to call up any kind of information or any kind of explanation video or any sort of insight video, but we're, we're missing the opportunity where we can actually educate people, children to say, well, there, there are good ways to use this and there are bad ways to use this and you need to be careful of this and you need to be careful with that. If we're going to, if we're going to exercise a sort of a blanket ban on YouTube, then the kids will just go home and they will just figure these things out for themselves. And that's the point at which we, they might uh, go down, go down rabbit holes that we don't want them to go down or, you know, do ill-advised things that we don't want them to do. So I think if I think if we're going to make the most out of YouTube as a platform, we absolutely need to embrace all of the good things, all of the bad things and 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 talk about them in school. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense and I think that sort of whole sort of view of 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 education and and I think it works best when it's relevant, doesn't it? You know, because you know, you're using YouTube to find information and then you're also using it to share the things that you're creating. And so, like I say you have both sides of the coin and actually understanding on how that works both positive and negative. Um it, yeah, it's it's integral really. Yeah, exactly because YouTube in itself is neither positive nor negative. It it it, it is exactly how the user wants to use it. And that is the same with any kind of tool, any kind of, uh, you know, media. It's always the same. It's not it's not the media itself. It's how people use it. And unless we're going to educate them on that, then, you know, what are we doing? And so in terms of people who, who heard the first part of the conversation and thought, yes, I'd quite like to be involved in something that's going on in London <laughs> and uh, and being part of a big film festival. Um, how, how does it work? What, what, what are the projects and, and how do people get involved in it? Yeah, of course. So we did originally, I mean, we're based in London, uh, although the team is from just all over the place. Um, but we're based in London and the IMAX was the first place that we ever um, did a film festival. But we have done film festivals all around the country. Just, I mean, last year, I think there was uh, 15 around the country. And we are really encouraging schools to do their own film festival in their own school hall because we recognize not everyone can travel. And we recognize that also the most important community in a school is the school community. And so we're really pushing schools to be able to put on their own film festival in their own school hall because it needs it, it's as big or as small as you like. You know, it can be a class assembly where they show a few films. It can be a whole school, uh, you know, a whole school effort where everybody's got a film to show and they invite the parents down, for example. Or they can get involved by, you know, you know, contacting us and saying we'd like to do it at a local cinema. Can you help us with that? So we we do everything from um, a school hall to say the the IMAX in in London, for example. But in terms of the teaching resources themselves, I mean, people can teachers can just go to litfilmfest.com and there are 35 hours of English projects that they can download. They're for Key Stage One. And for key stage two, some of them some of them have uh, differentiated packs for those different ones. Some of them are just key stage one, and the majority are just key stage. You know, can be used in key stage two. So they just need to go on, and everything is free, and they can download and get involved as soon as as soon as they like. Brilliant. And and if you've got any um, examples, or maybe you can't say favourites, but things that you've enjoyed from from what some schools have produced. Yeah, of course. So. We, one of the things with Lit Film Fest is that we like to strike a balance between children enjoying the traditional side of literacy in terms of the reading and writing side, enjoying the digital side in terms of making videos, but also we often do projects which really have, uh, you know, sort of a global issue uh, involved. So 
for example this year one of our one of our projects is called Team Tap, and it's looking at um, single-use bottles and how they can we can, you know, replace bought bottled water with you know people carrying around their own uh, their own bottle, filling up from a tap, for example. Um, that's one of the that's like a non-chronological report that people can do. Um, we do ones on like healthy eating, for example. We did it. We're currently doing a project called Lioness Lunch with the England women's football team, the England Lionesses where kids will look at instruction writing but they'll look at it from a, a health and nutrition point of view and you know what kind of food groups they need if they want to you know live and eat like an athlete for example uh we've done one this year with michael rosen which is it's a interactive poetry resource which is called why i play and the kids are talking about you know the favorite ways in which they play and creating poetry around that and creating very sort of emotive videos and then uh, another one is pupil parliaments. We do that with the Houses of Parliaments as well, where kids will be looking at an issue which is important to them and, you know, getting their local MP to come in or writing a letter to the local MP, trying to get them to respond, which, you know, pretty much 99 times out of 100 they will. And, you know, producing their own news programs where they talk about these issues and exp explore the pros, explore the cons and talk about how they might bring around, uh, bring about a change in the law, for example. So, um, you know, that one's really very much around persuasive writing and um, citizenship and British values. And then, you know, we also have stuff which is uh, much more of a, a sort of an entertainment bent. So, for for example, in Key Stage 1, there's a superhero trailer where they can use, uh, where they can, you know, create their own superheroes and talk about their characteristics. And then they can create a sort of really fun trailer with, you know, little effects and things like that. That sounds like such a great broad um, chance for people to really sort of, even within this environment, to follow their passion or things they're interested in or things that they're concerned about or trying to make a difference. Like you say, if it's something like bottles, which obviously is very heavily in plastic in the news at the moment. So how did you go about getting people like Michael Rosen and, and the English ladies football team involved? How, how did that all come about? Uh, I think it came about um, initially because we... Uh, about two years ago, we did a project called, let me get this right now, it was called Pupil Prime Minister. And it was something that we did with um, Peter Kilfoyle, who was a former MP, who was formerly in Tony Blair's cabinet, uh, famously sort of walked out over the Iraq war. And he uh, advised us on that sort of political project and gave us some, uh, did some videos with us. And, and we were featured in The Guardian, uh, this is about two years ago now, uh, where, and it was just before, I think it was two years ago, just before the general election where they showed about, where they did an article about, you know, people who are doing things in classrooms in order to teach kids about politics. And through that, the Houses of Parliament actually asked us if they would, if we would work with them on a, a sort of, um, sort of more formal basis in order to get politics into the classroom. And that was where we realized that, you know, we built up you know, a following of thousands of teachers who would use our stuff regularly. And we realized that we could help get some of these uh, issues that we saw or some, you know, certain strands of uh, learning that we saw as important into the classroom. We could help organizations like Houses of Parliament, for example, you know, help causes like environmental causes. We did one, we did one last year with uh, change.org where we had one class in particular who started their own change.org petition and it got over 110,000 signatures. It was 
mentioned in on CNN in the Metro uh, Schools Week, uh, mentioned in Parliament by Michael Gove, and so we started to realise that we could we could work with other organisations in order to bring maybe a, a, a wider variety of content into the classroom because I think. You know, I, I mean, I'm I'm an English literature graduate myself, and you know, I've read more books than I'd care to remember. And one of the things that I think is is happening, certainly in the primary classroom, is that we are very, very focused on fiction. And when you think of primary English, it is always based around a work of fiction. There are so many good things about that, and I would never say that there wasn't, you know, so many bonus plus points to that. But we are we are missing the opportunity to get in a much wider range of content into the primary English curriculum, and I think that's where we started working with people like Parliament, people like BBC Good Food, people like Michael Rosen, so that we could start to offer a wider range of English projects into the primary classroom that primary teachers could just pick up, you know, download from the website and use straight away. And I think, you know, certainly from a teacher's point of view, and, and also I'm sort of thinking back when I was a, a primary um, pupil, which is <laughs> quite a few years ago now. Um, <laughs> but, but that sort of sense, oh, now we're doing English, I need to learn some spellings, or now I'm doing English and I need to write a story based on something, or now I need to write about what I did on my holidays kind of thing. Mm. That has a very different feel than this is something I'm really into. I'm using the skills in the English and literacy that I'm learning in order to get across what it is that I'm talking about or the project that I'm doing. And then it all serves as, as a self-serving prophecy, doesn't it? Because I'm using the skills in order to get across what it is that I want, which essentially is what a large part of education is all about. You learn what you need in order to do what you want to do in life. And I think building that whole thing together is, is, is probably why it's so successful. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that, um, I mean, I, like, like I said, I mean, I'm an English literature graduate. And I've since my degree, I've never had to analyze a book in the same way that I did at university. Most of the, most of my uh, literacy skills have been around doing something which has a real has real world purpose, whether it's learning how to do a certain process, learning how to, uh, you know, reading instructions, reading a manual, presenting or writing a document that other people can follow writing it you know looking at schedule of events and what one of the things that we're very focused on is giving children real world skills because i think if you were to look at the primary english practice at the moment is that we are we are focused on creating a generation of children who are fiction writers and i love a good work of fiction but that is not what the majority of people do Majority of people use English in a very, very different way. They use it to communicate. They use it to um, put across ideas. They use it to create a process or they use it to understand processes or uh, understand what they've got to do or a process that they've got to go through, understand how to do their job, for example. And most people don't actually use a lot of the skills that we teach them in the classroom, certainly from a, a fiction point of view. And so our, a lot of our projects are based around, can you put across an idea or a, you know, can you campaign about something that you're passionate about? Can you uh, follow instructions? Can you uh, create a solid argument for why somebody should believe what you're saying or should follow what your, what your thought process is? Or 
you know, look at balanced arguments, look at news reports, you know, just dissecting news reports, delivering news reports, things that are have an actual practical use. And that's not to say that uh, fiction doesn't have, uh, doesn't contain within it, the, the study of fiction doesn't contain with it many uh, practical uses as well, but there should be a greater uh, range of ways in which people or children certainly approach the subject of English. I think that's it. it's it's partly moving the needle, isn't it, or the percentage point of of making it relevant, and at the same time not disregarding and some of those more traditional ideas. It's just sort of having that whole, I think that whole picture of, of like say why it's important and how you're going to use it, and then making it relevant. And I think once all that comes together, then then it, it becomes very exciting for everyone involved. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of children who are being told that they should really enjoy reading fiction and they're being told that that is what English is about it's about reading fiction it's about reading fiction well a lot of children won't do that and they won't enjoy that and a lot of adults don't do it or enjoy it either and that's that is absolutely not to say that we shouldn't be getting kids to read as much as possible but why do they always need to read fiction because I know a lot of adults and you know perhaps more skewed on the male side you know a lot of Adults don't read fiction because they might not even enjoy it, but they might enjoy reading the newspaper. They might enjoy reading a football program. They might enjoy reading a arts and crafts magazine. They might really, really enjoy that. But what? But we're not bringing those things into the primary classroom. It's eighty percent fiction and twenty percent of of something else. And I'm saying that really, what we should do is we should bring a balance. Where yeah, absolutely, we have. We have a very heavy element of fiction in there because there is so much joy to be got out of that. But also we should have, you know, maybe a 50-50 split between between works of fiction and then, you know, other things like information writing, like persuasion, like campaigning, like news reporting, all of those different things. And thinking on a, a more technical front now, we, you talked about it being... Um... A film festival what type of technology and, and recording devices do you need in order to sort of take part in this sort of thing that is a really um common question that we get and people have this idea that we're talking about something really really um professional and we're absolutely not i mean when i first started getting into using video production in the classroom i used a flip cam which uh you know for all of those teachers who can remember was um a, a sort of handheld device about the size of I guess like a phone and slightly thicker maybe and it just had a, um, a pop-out USB that you would put into your computer and essentially you would record and then put it straight into the computer and download it straight onto your you know onto your hard drive and that we, we uh, some of the some of the most enjoyable or entertaining films that I've ever made were just made through that and and I think you know everybody has a smartphone most or a lot of schools will have iPads and that is absolutely all that you need. If you've got something which can record a video, you know, from sort of 720p, I mean, even less is fine, but 720p is where you get a nice, you know, crisp picture uh, and then somewhere where you can film where it's, you know, quiet enough where it picks up the sound, you know, that's absolutely can be done in the classroom. That's all that you need. If you can throw in a fancy tripod, that's great, but you don't need it. Uh, you know, if you can use a, a sound, you know, a, a, an external microphone, that's great, but you don't need it. If you can include a bit of green screen in there, that's great, but you don't need it. So 
the barrier to um, using film and creating videos in the in the classroom is very much uh, a self-imposed barrier if if you want to put it in place. Otherwise, it, you can do that with uh, you know your standard smartphone would be absolutely perfect. And actually, you know, there's been a lot of you know Hollywood films that have been made using uh, you know a mobile a mobile setup which have won all sorts of awards. It's absolutely not a barrier to entry at all. Uh, I think the reason why I'm sort of going on about it to such an extent is because teachers automatically come with that barrier and it's a, it's a, it's a non-existent barrier because everybody do ha does have the technology to make it happen in the classrooms. And and just sort of one step on from there, you, you know, you're going to have to um, put it onto a hard drive or upload it somewhere and all that sort of thing. Is there, are those sorts of resources and, and sort of trainings available through your website as well or is that something that actually a teacher or the class would need to be able to do themselves yeah i mean we do we often train schools in those kind of things we you know we're, we're about to go into a pretty much a whole week of doing that next week and that is you know part of our bread and butter but i i would absolutely say that that teachers can do it themselves and we're, we're happy to you know handhold them through that process but if there's a teacher listening who is like well i'd really like to try that for myself well you know use your use whatever device you've got uh, you can, you know, if it, certainly if it's um, something like Adobe Spark video would be the perfect uh, way to get started. It's the one of the easiest video editing softwares out there. You know, it's it, app based, you, it's web based, um, it's completely free. Uh, you can set up class accounts so the kids can have a go, and that is one of the easiest ways that you can get going. You know, obviously other things like iMovie, a lot of people have that for free on their um, iPad or iPhone. That's an excellent one to do as well. But yeah, it's very, very simple. I mean, everything that everything that myself, um, you know, that me and my team have learned how to do, we've done that through, you know, watching YouTube videos, having a mess around with it ourselves. Anybody can be proficient in using iMovie and Adobe Spark Video, you know, within half an hour maximum. And Adobe Spark Video, you could get, get you could get going in in five minutes, and you'd be as pro as anything that we could teach you to do. That's fantastic, and we'll have um, we'll have links to lots of these things on the show notes if you go to Education on Fire, and um, and if you put um, Dominic Trainer in the um, in the search bar, it'll pop up, and we'll have all those things on there as well. Um, and, and and one thing I really liked about what you said there was the fact that even if it's something you don't know, that process of actually going out and finding how to do it or doing a quick search for something is something which is actually an incredibly important learning process as well. Absolutely, I mean the teacher is not the authoritative figure the teacher is the first learner and the teacher should be you know open about learning new things and getting and, and a lot of the time we see that children in the class will teach the teacher and i think that's great and i think that should be embraced and i think t kids should feel like that they are that they 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 too can teach other people and whether that person is an adult or a child um that doesn't it doesn't matter who teaches who um I mean, certainly the all of the you know a, a tool like Adobe Spark Video, a five six year old child can use that, and will get going with that very very quickly. And a teacher will, can do the same. It's just they just need to uh, spend the time or just block off twenty minutes to actually go and look at it. And I think the thing is about these great project ideas is the fact that it becomes very collaborative, doesn't it? And people use the skills they have already and they can help teach other people, like I say, whether it's peer-to-peer -peer or, or student-to-teacher, whichever way that comes. I think it's, it's a really great a great learning experience for everybody. That's that's one of the reasons why we're such big advocates of video production. And it's not, it's not because 
we think you know making films is the be all and end all. We, as a, as a teacher, I don't mind what the method is. I, I'm just after the most effective method in, to get my children to the next level. Uh, but what we found is video production does all of those things. Not only does it, because uh, any video production is you know eighty ninety percent about traditional literacy of taking it, researching, planning, reading things, making notes, discussing things, then writing drafts, writing final uh, final pieces of work before you go to film. And so that it's that it's that eighty ninety percent of traditional work, but the 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 last ten to twenty percent is that sort of digital media YouTube carrot. Which gets which gets children in the YouTube generation as they are now gets them interested. It also gets them using digital skills, which is one of those things that they're going to need really, really in the, crucially. They're going to need that in the future. So we get those into the classroom as well. But we also get teamwork. We get collaboration. We get problem solving. We get presentation skills. All of those 21st century skills which kids are going to need really, really badly in the future. We can do those through video production which brings together that traditional elements of English learning with those with those future skills that they're going to need and you mentioned early on about the fact that it, it's it's free to access all this stuff so you've got some quite in, impressive sponsors and people that are involved in and, and is that the reason you're able to provide that um, at no cost yeah absolutely I mean again one of the things that uh, you know as a team of primary school teachers ourselves one of the things is that that we recognize is that you know, school budgets aren't necessarily the easiest things to to work with. You know, there's not a lot of money around at the moment, and and you know, teachers should they be spending their own money on things? Well, you know, perhaps they should, perhaps they shouldn't. But we wanted to take that that barrier to entry away. We wanted to make sure that there was there was absolutely every re, every opportunity for schools or individual teachers to come to us and say, I'd really like to give that a go in the classroom. And it for not for it not to be a barrier through cost, for it not to be a barrier through technology. It it just takes um, it just takes time and it takes effort. And that's what we wanted to make sure that the you know our sponsors provided those opportunities for schools. And why did you um, also go down the route of actually having um, some research done? I mean, you did some things with UCL, is that correct? Yeah, so we were part of uh, the Institute of Education's Educate program um, earlier this year. They invited applications from companies and we were selected to prove the efficacy of what we did. And that is always a really sort of uh, interesting thing in schools because there's a lot of things that happen in school which are done because they were always done that way. And one of the things that the Educate program from the Institute of Education is trying to do is trying to look at things and say, well, okay, you've always done that. You've always done it that way, but does it actually work? Does it make any difference? And so we did a four month research project where we worked with three schools. It was 200 pupils and we put them through, um, we put them through one whole term of using nothing but Lit Film Fest projects to see whether that uh, element of video production was making a difference, to see whether it was making any difference academically, whether to see if it was making any difference in terms of uh, in pupil engagement as well. And what we found was that over those, over those three to four months was that the average child made 3.75 times the national average rate of progress in English. 
So that was one absolutely major finding. And then also that on average, they enjoyed their English lessons 50% more than they had done previously. So those two things were really the cornerstone of, of what we advocate is that this kind of approach to literacy, which brings in digital skills, which brings in presentation skills, which brings in 21st century skills. When you combine that with traditional literacy, you get this huge, this huge acceleration in uh, not only academic progress, but also the pupils' willingness to engage because you're making it more relevant for them to their, to their own lives and to how they uh, see themselves as the YouTube generation, how video has is a huge part of their life. And when you put those two things together, that's where the magic happens. And we wanted to do that research so that we could definitively say to schools, well, you know, we, we've proven this methodology, you know, albeit with in, in, a, in a small sample size of three schools, 200 kids. But, you know, it's a lot more... Uh, it's a lot more robust than just saying, oh, I think you should do this because the kids like it. We're, we're actually showing that it has academic value. It sounds very exciting. And, and I have to say, it's something which I'd... Um... I'd certainly recommend if I was uh, <laughs> working in a primary school because I think I think um, my kids having gone through through that age would would absolutely love it and actually having sort of done some of those sorts of things off their own back as well I know how mm. much they've enjoyed it so just remind us again um, of the website and where they can go and find out all the resources and all the information they need if they'd like to take part so go to litfilmfest.com and within there you'll be able to uh, look around at all the resources that we've got all the free resources and then also the uh, the research behind it it's all over the website that's brilliant um dominic thanks so much for chatting to me it's been really interesting and also i find it really exciting for the future and, and, and exciting for for teachers and the pupils that can get involved in that kind of thing and i wish you all the all the best for the future and um and i'm really really interested in sort of keeping in touch and, and actually sort of seeing how how this sort of develops as you go further down the track brilliant well it's been it's been a pleasure it's nice to uh it's nice to talk about it and also nice to get the word out to teachers so that they can use it for themselves Lovely. Thanks so much for chatting. No problem. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.